Our Heavenly Father, we come before your mighty throne in this wonderful season, Lord. And we just stop and we focus on the thought that what this season represents to each of us, the opportunity, the incredible gift of Jesus. May that not be lost on us today in the middle of the busy season. We're so busy this time, Lord, and, and we make ourselves busy. And Father, we just don't want to, we don't want to miss the impact of this. The impact of, of your son coming to this earth. And that is just so incredible for us. So can we stop, Lord, and we just say thank you for that. Of all the things that you have given us in our lives, the many blessings that come alongside, that one gift makes everything else work. And our life just doesn't work without Jesus. And so we're so very, very grateful. And we, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for what you have done for us through him. Lord, we, we come before your throne today and we want to remember things. We're so grateful for the way that you work in our lives. So very, very grateful for the way that you walk alongside us in the midst of challenges. And we're mindful of that when we think about the opportunities set before um, Deborah in uh, Honduras. And this house that's come available that we've prayed a lot about in this class, Father. So we thank you for the opportunity. And will you open our hearts, Father, towards this opportunity? And Lord, we know that there are, there are people in this class that, that are, are walking real difficult roads right now. Very difficult roads. And we remember Meg Navarreth and, and her challenge. Father, will you please be a part of that in a very heavy way? As appointments are made for treatments, Father. We plead with the doctors and we uh, come alongside her with strength. We see her spirit and we're grateful for her spirit. Will you come alongside her and be her strength, Father? Lord, as we always do, we want to remember each person in this room who's facing challenges. The ones that are set in this room amongst the, the things that we've talked about, Lord, but also the things that are not spoken in this class, the things that are so deep, Father. Would you please come alongside the people in this room? They're, we don't want anybody to be here thinking that they're by their, themselves on their journey. So will you come alongside your people in their time of need as we celebrate in this season, but we also remember in this season. Father, finally, we ask that you would be with our country, with our leaders, with our city and our state and our national leaders. Father, will you, will you be a part of their decision-making processes? Will you enter their hearts and will you lead the way that you would have our country to go, Father? And now we pray for the leader of this class, for Cliff, that you would be with him and that you would empty him of his self and, 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 and work through him as you do each and every way, uh, each and every week, Lord. Will you please be with him in the midst of this class and be with us as we turn aside our busy thoughts and turn our attention to this incredible word that we have. We pray all this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're, we're looking at, or I want us to look at, uh, in John 16, if you will, if you want to go ahead and turn there, this uh, idea of, if I'm calling it, the process to peace. The, the process. I ask you to, <coughs> excuse me, I ask you to talk a little bit about the process on Thanksgiving. Anybody find out anything about uh, somebody has a process? My mom used to be, she'd get up in the morning, put the turkey in the oven, and go back to bed. <laughs> Anybody do that? Anybody find out about a process they went through or somebody has a particular process? Or how many of you uh, have your husband cannot come in the kitchen at all? Anybody? That was sort of our family rule. My dad would start eating everything uh, as soon as he could get his hands on it. So we had a process. And, you know, sometimes uh, going through a process 
uh, helps us in our life. I, 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 this past week, um, I've, as you know, I've had some terrible allergy problems. A lot of people have. And I decided finally to go to a doctor and, uh, instead of the internet. I was being treated on the internet the other day. So finally went to an ENT, called up a friend of mine who I knew that knew an ENT. And, and I went to him and uh, got in there and got introduced to the nurse. And they're asking questions and uh, told her I'd been referred by my good friend, Steve Seaton, who goes to church here. And and uh, the nurse, oh, we love Steve and Rhonda. They're great people. And Marty comes here. And they didn't, they didn't say anything about him. But uh, <laughs> not, nothing good. Uh, uh, so uh, I'm talking to him. And I said, well, I, I, need to, I need to explain to you. I kind of have a process here. And you know, she's real serious. I said, yes. She goes, I don't take shots on religious grounds. <laughs> and she's trying to be real respectful. I was sweet. I, I, don't, I don't know if she goes to church. She <laughs> Oh, okay. And I said, uh, yes, I'm a, a devout chicken. <laughs> devout. I am very religious in this area. And then they take me through this uh, series of tests and I'd, what I'm calling now, I don't know if this is the official word, the nose and vocal cord colonoscopy. <laughs> it's not right for them to stick something down your nose and for it to end up in your stomach. <laughs> you know? And so they look at all that stuff and he's looking in there and going like that and he gets through and he says, because I, honestly, I've had some anxiety this year that uh, I've done something to my throat or something to my voice or my students are praying still that I'll not be able to talk or their prayers are being answered. Anyway, he said at the end, he said, everything looks normal. Now that's not a word that's usually used with me, but he said, and, and I thought, wow, I, I, I literally got out, out of the office, got in my car and drove to the church and had to tell Becky. And I said, I can't tell you the peace that I've experienced today. Because I went through this process, if you will, to go to a doctor and let him actually tell me what he knows. And for me to know, he said, your vocal cords are in excellent shape. So my students will have to keep praying. You know, they'll just have to, which means it didn't be answered. Look here in John chapter 16, there's a process here. I've said to you before that in this uh, section or in this part of John where we've been in 15, 16, and 17, we'll finish, I'm going to try to finish 16 today. There is this phrase that keeps occurring that Jesus said, these things I have said to you, so that. In other words, that's the process. Jesus is saying, I'm saying this to you. So that, look, look over and just, again, mark in your Bible if you don't have it, 1511. 1511, these things I've spoken to you, so that. Here's the process. I, I've said these things, here's the process. I've said these things to you so that you may have joy. This phrase or this idea occurs then in 16.1. These things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. It's the idea. Here's the process. I've said this. This, this phrase recurs. It, it seems to be that Jesus is working through sections here and saying, now, now the reason I said that was this. The reason I made these statements. Now, we're, we're at 16.33. These things I have spoken to you so that you may have peace. In other words, the process to peace is by hearing and understanding and believing and trusting, if you will, 
to have peace. Then finally, there's one we'll get to at 1713. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy. And, and I think this is uh, in, obviously intentional with Jesus and with John that this recurring phrase, I've said this now, so that. I've said this now, so that. And in this particular case, <clears throat> we're looking at that the, the process or the words are so that you might have what? Peace. Look there at verse 33. We're gonna back up at 16 and work our way forward. How is it that we understand that Jesus says that you might have peace. Now, it's, it, it, it goes all the way from 16.5, from 16.5 to 16.33, and we've discussed over the last several weeks, one of, the, one of the ways or one of the means by which we have peace in Jesus is by understanding the ministry of the Holy Spirit, what we've been working on, what we've been discussing, what we've been looking at over the last, uh, if you will, uh, several weeks. So, this is still another part of that. How do we experience peace in Jesus that the world doesn't give now? Well, it's part of that in the Holy Spirit. Now, let's look here at verse 16. A little while and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while you will see me. Some of his disciples then said to one another, what is this thing he's telling us? See, it's pretty obvious that that the disciples still did not understand any notion of the resurrection. The, the idea that they understood that is, is why they're so disturbed. They, they obviously did not understand it. Jesus had spoken of it in John 11. I am the resurrection of life. He who believes in me, though he die yet, will he live again. So he'd said things about this matter. But the disciples obviously had not, if you will, understood it or got a hold of it. Uh, in Judaism... The idea of the resurrection is some uh, 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 matter that's in the future for everyone, not just Jesus. So there's some need here. A little while you will see me, and again, in a little while you, you, I'm sorry, a little while you will not see me, and again, in a little while you will see me, because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does this mean that he says, a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they were asking this question and he said to them, are you deliberating together about this that I said a little while and you will not see me? And again, a little while you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep, but the world will rejoice and you will grieve, but your grief will be turned to joy. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. And every mother in here said, amen. I remember that, right? Therefore, you too will have grief now, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take that joy away. I want to, I want to ask us to consider one, this idea of peace. Uh, Jesus said, I'm saying all these things that you have peace, and we're going to look at that. But what is peace? What, what, what is peace? If someone were to ask you that, that's the word we're looking at. I've written these things that you might have peace. I can walk up and down here, you know, sit down by you if you want me to, Bob. Uh, when you hear the word peace, what, what comes to mind? Rest, huh? What else? Huh? No worries, no anxieties, no problem. Okay. 
contentment, contentment. I, I saw this picture some time ago. They, they titled this peace. <laughs> uh, there's a guy, if you can see him right, whoops. Uh-oh. I got a point down here. <clears throat> Talk among yourselves. What happened? Chris, did you do something? Here we go. Got it? There we go. There's a guy right there in that lighthouse that they titled this picture, Peace. Now, this, this is, I think, illustrative of the idea that there can be all kinds of things going on in our life and still have peace. Peace, the, the Greek word erene, or the Hebrew word shalom, means well-being. Well-being. The idea that things are well. Now, that doesn't mean that our health is well. It doesn't mean that everything in our life is easy. It means that things are well between us and God and hopefully us and others. It isn't, the, it isn't the lack of trouble. It isn't the lack of problems. It isn't the lack of difficulty. It's the well-being that comes, a reine or shalom. It's the, the peace that comes from well-being and being rightly related to God in the present. And I, I know that sounds kind of a, a mushy or kind of, you know, uh, it doesn't answer every question, but many of you I know in your life, you... Life's felt like this, hasn't it, at times? And yet in the midst of that, there's been that peace, that security, that sense that things are right between me and God. Things are right in my relationship with him. There's a sense of well-being, a sense of, of tranquility, a sense of that that, that that things are right with me and God. Meg, she's going to ask me a hard question. Okay, for the recording, she said that John 16, 1633 was the verse she held on to in her first brain cancer surgery. Yeah. Did you have peace, Meg? Yeah. We're still praying for Meg. We're praying for some other people in this room. And they're not tranquil. Things aren't tranquil. But notice what Jesus said in 1633. We're working there. Where's this peace found? In me. Notice, notice what it says there. You know, these things I spoke that you might, so that in me you have peace. Not, not the kind of peace that's built on in the circumstances. Not the kind of peace that comes because things are working out. You know, I, I woke up the other, uh, the other morning and uh, early, I mean like two o'clock in the morning, and I was worried about some things. And I don't, I don't typically do that. <clears throat> I, I usually let Becky do the worrying for us. And uh, I just go to sleep. <clears throat> but I woke up. And I had some real concerns that were bothering me. And as I'm praying, I'm laying in bed, praying in bed, thought occurred to me, Cliff, your well-being, and I didn't think of the word peace, but your well-being is based in Jesus not in the circumstances. And I, there were several circumstances I was trying to work through in my head and in my mind. I'm not, making, I'm not trying to say this is easy. I am simply saying that when we look for peace in circumstances, 
or we look for peace in other people, or we look for peace in other situations, we may not find it. But in Jesus, he said, you will have peace in me. I've said these things, he said, for that. So, so how, do we, how do we come to that? Number one, I want to say this, face it. We're going to start at 16 to 22. <clears throat> I've read through that. I think one of the ways we get to peace in Jesus is face it. Face what? Face the fact that Jesus said here, there are some people that are going to be happy that I'm dead and gone. Notice what he said, you know, the world, they're going to be happy. You're going to be sorrowful. You're going to be sorrowful, he's saying to the disciples. You're going to be sad because I'm gone. Others are going to be happy. One of the things that I see uh, throughout this is in throughout the gospel of John here is that Jesus is very honest about what's going to happen. He said, you need to face it. If you're going to have peace in me, you got to face the reality. You know, Marty often says, I, I, I love what he said. He said, the thing he loves about the Bible, how honest it is. You know, in the Bible, you notice that the heroes of the Bible, they show all the warts and all the problems of them. They don't, it's not propaganda. You know, Peter isn't always on point. Abraham, uh, you know, uh, believes God to the point of killing his own son. Then he goes to Egypt and he says, she's my sister. You know, uh, I'm not married to her. <clears throat> you know, I mean, I mean, this idea that it's always going to be easy is, I think, a pernicious lie and a pernicious problem for lots of us because we think that peace might be in circumstances or situations instead of Jesus. And then we run into a world or a situation where people don't like him or people don't love him. Not everyone loves Jesus. Not everyone is happy when he comes back. Here's, here's a thought for you. It, it, it goes contrary to our culture in every way. <clears throat> but not every person is a child of God. I, I know that's kind of the common mentality. The Bible seems to suggest everyone is created in the image of God. That's a fact. Everybody. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Everyone is created in the image of God. But the New Testament seems to suggest that faith and trust in Jesus is what makes one a child of God. Go look. You can write these verses down. Go look at John 1, 10 through 12. When Jesus said, and he came into his own, Jesus did. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him in his own people, the Jews. But to as many as received him, to him he gave them the authority to become children of God. To become children of God. In John 8, Jesus says to a bunch of religious leaders in 842, or 822 is it? It's 842 and 44. He says to the Pharisees and religious leaders, your father is the devil. That's why it made him so popular with those guys. <laughs> you know, He said, your father is the devil. He's, the, he's a liar. He's been so since the beginning. Is it possible that, that sometimes the reason we can't have peace is we can't face the fact that some people don't care. I mean, it's obvious, Cliff. You say, I know it's stupid to think, but here it is. Don't love Jesus. Don't care about him. It's amazing. You know, I, I often think, I mean, what are, what's wrong with people who don't love the Dallas Cowboys? I mean, what's wrong with them? 
I just don't know. You know, it's, it just, it's beyond me to think, how could, could so, I heard it, I heard it, <laughs> Pittsburgh Steeler fan in here, um, that, that, you know, you think it's just not possible for people not to, because what? I love them. I think they're great. I think they're wonderful. I think they're marvelous. That's not the case in our world. There are people who don't love or care for the person. I'm not giving you any news. I'm just saying that if we're going to have peace, if we're going to be rightly related to God, if we're going to, if we're going to have this sense of tranquility, we got to face it. Don't, don't, doesn't mean we become rude. Doesn't mean I'm getting warm up here. Doesn't mean that we get upset or angry at people or arrogant or we're better than. But it does mean that we ought to face it. The fact that there's someone we love and someone we care about. Because Jesus says, in a little while, people are going to be happy that I'm gone. And he says, you're going to grieve. The world will rejoice. While you and I, or he's talking to the disciples, you'll grieve. Therefore, you too will grieve now, but I will see you again. Notice here too that, that it's not only face it that not everyone will be sad when Jesus leaves or dies, but you and I have the promise of seeing him again. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about, you know, uh, in order to have peace that one of these days I'm going to physically see Jesus? Do you ever think about that? Do you ever consider what that might be like or what that's going to be like? I mean, I've got a picture of Jesus that they took when he was a boy in my office. <clears throat> it's a good, good likeness. I got a picture of him and I'll sometimes look at it and I'll think, I, I wonder if he looks like that. I wonder, I wonder if, you know, if when I see him or you see him, will he, will he look like that? I, I sometimes wonder if, in my own life, I'm, maybe let me talk to myself, that, that sometimes the reason I don't have peace is because I'm so dialed into right now that I don't think about the future that someday I'll see him. Someday you're going to see him. Someday everybody is going to see him. Someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So sometimes, you know, we live a wonderful life. We, we've got great things here going on in our world. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, houses and cars and things. Like that. And, but sometimes our peace, our sense of tranquility with God, I think, is so interrupted by those things that we ought to stop and think, wait a minute. One day, I'm going to see him. Lance did a great job a few weeks ago. I can't remember what it was, when he talked about heaven. That you know, heaven isn't a, just a place. Paul and others, when they talk about heaven, they say, "And so we will be with the Lord." It's not just a wonderful place to be where there's not a golf course. Of course, if I go to heaven, there's a golf course. I'm going to wonder, okay, where am I really? Right? I hate golf. Yeah, I just you know, some of y'all know love it. You'll have a great time. I'll be thinking, where am I really? Uh, it, heaven's, heaven's not just a place. Heaven is a person, a presence, an experience of being in the reality. I don't care where it is, and I'm sure you don't either, but you'll be glad because you will see me. How about it? 
Do you live, do I live with a sense of, hey, things can be tough right now. We may be crying, we may have illness, we have difficulty. But someday, we're gonna see him. I remember watching the Bible on television last year, a year and a half ago or so, and I remember whenever um, they were showing the, the frame when the disciples were in some room and then Jesus showed up, I wept. I thought, what would it be like for those guys? Having gone through what they went through, seeing Jesus die on the cross, and then all of the sudden, they see him. When I was a pastor years ago, Wayne and I worked at a church in Houston, and uh, I remember going through a real tough time. It was all my fault. It wasn't Wayne's. It was a little bit of Wayne's, but some of I was going through a really tough time. I, you know, people were not, um, they weren't obeying me. I just kept saying to them, if you just obey me, things would go so much better. I didn't really say that, but <clears throat> things were uh, tense, some difficulties. <clears throat> and uh, I was driving back. I think I was going downtown to the hospital to see somebody. <clears throat> but I was on 290, Highway 290 in my car, little, little Toyota. And I just turned the radio on to a Christian radio station. I, I don't listen to a lot of music. I'm not a real artistic person. Uh, I like talk and, you know, ideas. But I'm, I'm driving down a, a 290, and I don't particularly care for quartet music personally. It's just a preference. But I heard a quartet that sang this song, and I, and I don't actually remember the, the title of it. Uh, oh, yeah, dude, yeah. It Will Be Worth It All. Do you remember that song? I'm driving down the road. It will be worth it all. When we see Jesus, life trials will seem so small. When we see Christ, this is what got me. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ, I'm telling you, I dissolved in that car. I pulled off the side of the road on 290, the highway, and wept and wept and said, it will be worth it. It will be. The sorrow, the difficulty, the pain, the illness, all of that to trust Jesus through the midst of it, in the difficulty, in the time. Hey, face it. Face it. Don't avoid it. Don't happy talk me out of it. Don't discuss it. Just say, you know what? One of these days, it will be worth it all to see one glimpse of his dear face. All sorrow will erase till we see Christ. I don't know if I live in that reality. I, I wonder, some, is that why I don't have peace in him? Because I'm thinking about today and my, my retirement and there's nothing wrong with that stuff. But this idea, he said, you will see me someday. And in my life, I need to be reminded of that. I need to, I need to know that, that someday I'll be able to stand before him and actually see him. And I remember I sat there for a while and just cried like a baby. And um, got over it, got the car started back, uh, got back up and, and kept going. But I, I, I've thought of that on different occasions. 
What is it, Cliff, going to make it worth it all for you? I don't care if I live in a tent in heaven. That's what I deserve, you know, or less. I, I, don't, I don't ever think about the location. I don't think about the place or the beauty or the, all that kind of stuff. You know, Colorado's pretty enough for me. But I do think about seeing him. You know, I told you I have a question for him when I see him. They're not theological. None of them are theological. My question will be this. Why were you so good to me? Why were you so good to me? When I see him, that's what I want to ask him. I mean, I've had trouble. You've had problems. But when I see him, why have you been so good to me? Why have you been so kind? We can have a peace in Jesus. We can have peace. He said, these are my words that you might have peace. We can have peace in Jesus because of the hope that we know we will see him. We will see him. I, I hope that that idea, because it doesn't come to me very often unless I stay in the scriptures. I keep looking at everything around me in all the circumstances I'm in. Instead of saying, you know, Cliff, one of these days you're going to see him. Here's, here's what I wonder for you and me, if we can do that this week, if this is going to work. What if this week you and I face the real reason we have peace? We'll someday see Jesus. What if you spend some time with, uh, what if you spend some time with other followers of Jesus and experience Jesus' presence in their life? What, what I'm getting at is this. What if you this week just gave some time to think about, I'll see Jesus someday. I'm going to see him someday. Or to say, I want to experience Jesus' presence in the lives of other people I know. Do you ever notice that when you're around other followers of Jesus that you experience his presence? You experience his life? You experience his encouragement? One of the two, I don't, I don't know if you, you need to just think about, okay, I need to think about that I'm going to see him someday or, or I need to experience his presence in my life this week by being with some other followers of Jesus, either one. <clears throat> Number two here, well, that's not. <clears throat> yeah, that, I was completely out of whack on here. <laughs> I'm gonna come back to that, watch this. Watch this now in verse 23. In that day, now that day, uh, suggesting that when they see him again, in that day, that day, uh, uh, that uh, pronoun there, saying in that day, the day, you know, we've just talked about, he said, you're going to see me again. You're going to see me. Can you imagine? And again, I, I am, you know, I, I'm convinced one of the reasons these guys were just, just so radically committed to Jesus, they'd actually seen him. He said, in that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, I say to you that if you ask the father anything in my name, he'll give it to you. Until now, you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, so your joy may be full, made full. I've spoken these things in figurative language, but an hour is coming when I'll no longer speak to you in figurative language, but will plainly tell you the truth. Verse 26, in that day, you'll ask in my name, and I do not say 
that I will request the Father on your behalf. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, you're gonna be able to ask the Father directly. You're gonna ask the Father directly. Watch this in verse 27. For the Father himself loves you. And Jesus already said that God loves the world. But there seems to be some specific matter here. That he's saying, here's some peace for you. Here, here's how you get the peace. I want you to know the Father loves you. Why? Look here. Because you have believed, because you have loved me, and you believe that I came from the Father. So, so, so Jesus is saying, listen, you need to receive this. Now, I'm going to give you two ways, but the reason I have that goofy, goofy uh, picture up there is this. This is going to seem very unreligious. <clears throat> I promise you. <clears throat> you know, uh, we have a phrase sometimes when we say, I believe it when I see it. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> There's a thing called Photoshop, <laughs> right? You can't believe it just because you see it anymore. In fact, there's often a phrase that people might, might say, well, if it's too good to be true, then it's what? It is. It's too good to be true. It's not, it, 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 it's not real. And you know, we think that. You know, they call me up on the telephone and say, again, you know, Mr. Sanders, we're so happy to talk to you because we have three nights and four days in Branson and it's all free. Right. It's not free. They're going to ask me to do I told them, I said, hey, are, does the who have a theater there yet? They go, huh? I said, the who? You know, Pete Townsend? No, call me back when you get one. Him go, <clears throat> I'm not interested in Andy Williams. Good grief. <clears throat> or the mountain knobbers or whoever those guys are. I don't know. <clears throat> Boy, whoever. <laughs> not interested in them. Uh, but the idea is that we say, well, it's too good to be true, so I blow it off. You know, we see, we see stuff at Photoshopped and we think, oh, that's, that's crazy. That's not true. Listen, I think at some level we have to receive it. We've got to face it. Face the fact that some don't love Jesus and that our hope is that we will see him and receive it. What do we receive? Number one, access. Look what he says. There's coming a day. <clears throat> There's coming a day when you can talk to the Father. The work of Jesus, his preparatory work. There's going to be a day here where you're going to be able to ask the Father. Now, we know in lots of ways, he said, You pray in my name, but Jesus seems to be saying these things. Look, in that day, you'll not question me. I say that if you ask the Father anything in my name, he'll give it to you. Until now, you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you'll receive, so your joy will be full. Verse 26, in that day you'll ask in my name and I do not say that I will request of the Father on your behalf. He's saying, look, I don't have to ask him for you. That's what he's saying in 26. I don't have to ask him for you. You can directly ask. In fact, this changes my prayer life, son. A lot of times when I go to prayer, and I'm not saying this is a technique. You know, here's the interesting thing. In the ancient world, one of the things that, that practiced, people practiced was magic. And magic was an attempt to control the gods. So if you did something or offered a certain sacrifice, the gods would act a certain way. This is not magic. Just because I put Jesus' name on the end of it, I'm going to get it. This is not just some incantation 
or some guarantee. That's the feature of magic that says, when I say this, you got to do it. Or when I do this, the gods have to act a certain way. When Jesus says, you can go directly to the Father and ask in my name. In other words, what is it that would be consistent with the person of Jesus? What would be consistent with him? What could you put his name to? What could you say to him? This is consistent with what I know about and understand about the person of Jesus. It's not, a, it's not an incantation. It's not a, something we just put at the end of the, of, the, of the deal and then we pray this in Jesus' name. That's magic because it, 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 it attempts to control the gods. This is Jesus saying, you can go directly to the Father. You can speak to him and, you, and, 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 and whatever you pray for that's in my name, in other words, that is consistent, that is what my, what my priorities are, you can ask. Now, you know, I would just tell you, this is hard to receive for me. When he says this, whatever you ask in my name. I've, I asked myself when I was working through this, do, do I lack sometimes peace in my life in Jesus because I've backed off of this? Anybody with me? I've been disappointed. I, I may have told you whenever we prayed for Dave that, sat, that Sunday, I had this conversation with God and I said, I don't know that I want to do this because I don't want to set us up for another disappointment. You ever talk to God like that? I don't know that I want to do this. I love Dave and he's here and I'm glad he is and, and we still don't know why God did all this. Dave and I have talked, we, we have no answer, okay, so don't ask us. We'll tell you, we don't know. But what was going through me was, okay, do I do this? Jesus, you said if we ask anything in your name. Now listen, I'm, I'm not in management. I'm in sales here, so I can't make this stuff up. Anything in my name. What, what does that mean? What are the priorities of Jesus? What is it that he is most concerned about? What is it that his kingdom is dialed into? Is it our comfort or is it our influence? Is it, is it our ease and get things worked out for me? Or is it that we might be a witness in the world? This is hard stuff for me, I'm just gonna tell you. I took a class on this in seminary on prayer and they didn't answer all my questions. I was ticked off. In fact, the former president of the seminary said to me in class, I can't believe he said this. Of course, I have any feelings, so it didn't bother me. Um, I've, I do, I have one right here, a feeling right there. Uh, you know, uh, Stuart Graham knows where it is. It's right there. Um, I said to him, I said, look, you got to give me an answer. He said, what are you going to do, put a gun to God's head and make him do something? I said, if it'll work. <laughs> I'm finding as I understand what this means, that Jesus is concerned about things sometimes I'm not concerned about. 
And sometimes it feels like that everything I'm concerned about only involves me and my family and my friends. I, I told you before, I, I've had throat trouble this uh, fall and the thought occurred to me uh, one day when I was really having trouble and really couldn't talk. And as I was praying, Lord, please give me my voice back. Please give me my voice back. Um, the thought occurred to me. I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's Cliff or, or who. But the, the thought occurred, are, do you want your voice back so you can go to work? Or do you want your voice back because you're so concerned that you might not be able to witness to people? Ouch. That had not occurred to me. <laughs> you know, I told you, whenever I almost lost my voice one time for so long, I, <clears throat> I was so worried about it, I, I thought, well, why do I want my voice back? Is it because I'm so concerned that I would not be able to witness to people? Or is it that I won't be able to go to work? I mean, that's a legitimate problem, obviously. But I don't know how much that is putting the kingdom first. Do you? I wonder sometimes when I pray in Jesus' name, how much of this can take his name on it? And say, this is, this, is, this is the priority of Jesus. This is what he's dialed into. This is, this is what awakens him. Is this too good to be true that we can talk directly to the Father? A great German uh, a scholar, Jeremias, said this, and, it, and it's a fact as you study the rabbinical literature. What Jesus is saying here is so radical. Because in all of rabbinical literature, the rabbis, as they write, in the Targums, the Talmud, in, the, in all the writings of Mishnah, there is no evidence that anyone ever directly addresses God in prayer. Nowhere. None of the Jewish writings. No one says, Father. No one addresses God. Uh, <clears throat> in Greek, there's a, there's a well, it's the, it's the active voice where you're saying, I'm, I'm talking to God. Jesus is saying here, you can do that. You can go to the Father and speak to him directly and ask in my name. This is something that is so radical. That doesn't make much sense to us because we've grown up, you know, believing all this. But for a Jew to hear this, they would say, this is nuts. Nobody ever talks directly to God. You either go through a priest or you do it as a community, but nobody talks to him individually. There is no evidence of that anywhere in the writing of the rabbis or anywhere in the writing of Jewish scholars. The idea of direct access to the Father is something new and in some ways hard to believe. Do you really think the Father hears you? A friend of mine said that sometimes the reason we struggle in prayer it's because we don't think God really enjoys being with us. And it's hard to be with someone that you don't think likes to be with you. Think, I, want you I want that to dial down for a little bit here. Sometimes we don't think God wants to be with us. He's busy, you know, solving some other problem. Sometimes we don't think God wants to be with us. 
And it's terribly difficult to be with someone that you don't think wants to be with you. You can make yourself do it, but it's hard. When, when that person said that to me, it like hit me right upside the head and I thought, maybe there's an issue here, Cliff, that you don't think you have that direct access to the Father, what Jesus is talking about here. It's so new, it's so radical. Does God offer you, does he offer me that? And then notice here in verse 27, or the second one here, I've got this, the second one here is not only access, but acceptance. 27, 28. <clears throat> For the Father himself loves you because you've loved me and you've believed in me. Now, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm just trying to work my way through context that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish. God loves the world. He loves the world. We know that means everybody. That's the, the Greek word there means everybody. Is there a sense here? I don't know if I want to get too, I don't want to follow my sword here, but is there a sense here of extra intimacy. God loves the world, but you know what? He loves you because you've believed in Jesus and you've trusted him. That kind of acceptance that some of us struggle with, the, the kind of acceptance that some of us wish we had or wish we felt from God, Jesus says here, the Father himself, that's the intensive use of that pronoun, he could just say the Father. No, he says the Father, notice there in verse 26 in the American Standard, the Father himself loves you. I might also add to you, you could add this little piece here about acceptance from the Father. In this entire section, and next week we're gonna to get to my favorite verse in the Bible, John 17, one to three. Jesus keeps referring to God as Father. If you go through this section of 14, 15, 16, and 17, he uses the word Father 49 times. 49 times. That there is something here that Jesus is attempting to say, listen, the Father himself, not some cosmic presence, not the force be with you, you know, not just some, some generalized kind of man upstairs. The Father, the one I've spoken to you about, the one I've talked to you about, the one I've declared to you, he himself loves you. Notice that. Because you loved me and you believe I came from the Father. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I'm leaving the world again and going to the Father. That's why Jesus can say in John 16, these things I've spoken to you, that you might have peace in me. So the question here is this, in this regard, what if this week you identify one of these two matters? What, what, about, what about it? Do, you know, is it, is it access? Is it access that you need to know you have with the Father that will bring this sense of peace? Or is it acceptance? Is it acceptance that the Father himself loves you? 
Which of these two matters is most needed in your life? And then make a card with the word on it, whether it would be acceptance or access, and carry it with you this week. This is how Jesus, this, I, look, I've said these things so you'll have what? Peace. Which one do you need? Which one do I, I, I know the one I need. I know the one, I know the, I know the, I know the word I need to write on a card. I know the one that I need to have in my wheelhouse during the week. Is it, I can actually talk to the father? Or is it that I need to understand that I am accepted and loved and valued by the father? Because I, you, we believe in Jesus. These things I've said to you, that in me, you would have peace. So face it, if you will, if you're willing to, if you're willing to face it, that what this world is really like, and then receive it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want your peace. We live in a world where we need it. And so we call out to you right now in your name to give us the wisdom and courage and ability to respond to your words, to believe your words, to face it, to receive it in our own lives so that we might live this week and every week and every day with this sense of well-being even in the midst of the storm. Some of these Lord people in here, Lord, are facing serious medical issues. Others are facing financial issues. Others are facing relational issues. The peace that we need comes from you and being in you. So we pray that you'll help us and guide us, that we'll take these words, believe these words, receive these words into our lives. It's in the strong and mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.